Welcome viewers. We are the Giants of Backlog. Giants of Backlog is a podcast that three of us decided to start when we realized we had ever-growing backlogs, but we're never going to start playing them. So this podcast is designed for the three of us to choose games every two weeks to finally start whittling away at that backlog and force us to keep ourselves accountable to have them completed as we go. Spoiler alert, this will be a high spoiler podcast. If you haven't played the game yet, I would recommend uh, and plan to. I definitely recommend going through and playing the game and coming back. Um, we will be going in-depth to all plot points, to every uh, item that we liked and didn't like throughout the game. So if you do plan on playing the game, definitely play it, then come back here and see uh, how your thoughts of the game corresponded with ours. So with that, uh, I mean, we can start with, I guess, what have you guys been up to uh, in the last two weeks? What have you guys been playing? So outside of the podcast, I uh, picked up and played uh a game called lake on launch weekend um <laughs> it started out i really liked the game i played it through to completion uh but the bugs that i experienced throughout it kind of took away my enjoyment towards the end of it <clears throat> um premise of the game is you're you're working too much and your parents are gone on vacation so you take a two-week vacation and take over for your dad at his post office job so in, you're in this tiny town in oregon and delivering post to people and then you start to build relationships and blah 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 it's a like a walking sim but oh fun <laughs> mail delivery sim that sounds great <laughs> uh yeah and some of the bugs that i got were just so bad like i would talk to somebody who's working on a car on one side of the map and as soon as i entered the dialogue with them it teleported me to the diner but they're still doing their car fixing animation i they gave me a camera and i had 14 photos to take so i took all 14 photos turned it back in and uh they said you can submit one to the contest but when it pulled up the previews for all my photos they were just black boxes so i didn't remember what order i i took the photos in so i just guessed i didn't win the contest did you get it right though was it the one you planned no i don't know and i never saw it again they just oh. told me i didn't win so which i guess if it's just a black square then i probably shouldn't have won that uh photography contest and then the music on the radio was super repetitive and bad so they had a toggle button which was why where i could turn off the radio but that stopped working halfway through the game so i went into settings and turned down the music volume all the way and spoiler alert if you're thinking you're gonna play lake final cutscene, your old high school friend puts on a concert and that counts as music volume so i just watched a silent cutscene <laughs> for the big payoff of the game so started out as a super relaxing time i enjoyed it a lot ended up as a frustrating experience but you know overall i don't regret my time with it but i'd probably give it a four out of ten if it was bug free would have been worth playing yeah, it'd be like a 6 out of 10, though. 
So no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not with everything else that's out there. That is a 10 out of 10. Um, but I mean, depends on what you're looking for. It's definitely a unique experience. And it was just, there was something relaxing coming home from my actual job and sitting there and just turning off my brain and delivering mail, you know? Anyway, I played that. Uh, we've been all together playing Aliens Fire Team. Oh, yeah, that's great. What have you fun. guys been thinking about that? Um, I think we we usually try not to uh, discuss um, in detail uh, games that we know we're going to talk about on the backlog prior to uh, talking. But the nice thing about Aliens Fire Team is this is a game that the three of us are playing together uh, that we were not planning on even bringing up here. So it is something that we've talked about quite a bit. So I think uh, our opinions might might be kind of similar on this, but just the repetitiveness is, I could see why uh, it didn't score super highly critically. Um, it seems like every time you walk into a new room, it's just there's a swarm after you. And you got to take out that swarm. Um, and that's basically the majority of the gameplay. Not saying that's bad. I mean, not saying that's not fun. Because I do find it fun. We haven't beaten the full uh, <clears throat> campaign yet. But I do think it's fun to just, you know, go in and just clear waves over and over again. It's not particularly challenging. Well, to uh, be fair, until we're, playing it is. On, we're playing on, like, normal difficulty. That's true. Without the challenge cards. That's an and... interesting concept, too, is difficulty. I hate when games have multiple difficulties. I wish they just have one difficulty that that's what you play it at. Yeah, a lot of games do that. All of the Dark Souls know, games do them, that. A lot of them are, you know, like Aliens Fireteam, where you can play on baby difficulty or you can play on uh, super difficult, impossible, or you can play in the middle, but it's like, you know, you play in the middle one, and you're like, do I, if I enjoyed this game a ton, do I replay it on Impossible just because I loved it? Or am I going to hate this game if I try to play it on Impossible? Whereas, you know, if they just released something just slightly higher than the middle difficulty and just called it how the game should be played, yeah, it would be more, it would be more uh, satisfying, I think, because you feel like you beat the game how it's, you know, you just beat the game. You didn't. You don't have to double think about it. Like, should I play it again on the hardest difficulty? To uh, <clears throat> summarize my thoughts, though, on Aliens. Oh yeah. Um, I've always been a longtime fan of the Aliens movies. All of them. I love them. And there's a lot there for people who enjoy the movies and the universe. The environments in the game are crazy awesome. And they do a ton of nods to the different movies throughout. They even nod to Prometheus and uh, the new one. The new one. Was it Covenant? Yeah, Covenant. So <clears throat> I really enjoy it from that aspect. The gun, the gun part, it's serviceable. It's a fun shooter. Mm -hmm. it, it gets repetitive. It lacks uh, any kind of checkpoint, which can get frustrating. But for me, I'd recommend this to anybody who's a fan of the the Aliens universe. Otherwise, I think there's probably better shooters out there for you. Honestly, and, oh, oh. I uh, 
I like the back for Blood Veda better. Yeah. Yeah, it seems tighter and, you know, I think they had a bigger budget and they had the people who worked on Left 4 Dead on it. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be tight. Yeah. Also, uh, Aliens Fireteam has in the in the sounds once you get to like those third level or something there's like a helicopter landing on your head every five seconds <laughs> yeah i don't we don't know if that's a bug or not but some of the sound effects <laughs> got a little annoying it, though, constantly <laughs> <laughs> um and then another game that i've recently gotten into is old school runescape because john here plays a ton of it yeah and he's been kind of Showing me the ropes. I just became a member. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, grindy game to just pick away at in spare time. Yeah, I've been playing it for 20 years, as anyone else my age who still plays RuneScape has been. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jay's just getting into it. But it should be fun, you know. Um, I want to let him uh, experience the game, learn the game himself, not just give everything away to him. Uh, so that, you know, he can have the, the adventure of the game. But uh, I also want him to level up quickly so we can do some high-level stuff. But we'll we'll find the balance there. Well, have you been playing anything recently? Yeah, I've been playing through The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Actually, and you and I have been talking about that. But I want to go back to what John was saying about difficulty in video games. Because we were actually talking about that earlier this week. So I was playing on the normal difficulty. It's like called story and sword and i thought man this is really easy after i hit like level 10 i just killed everything and in the witcher right in the witcher 3 level 10 in the witcher high no it's like start of mid game i'm level 24 now and i think i'm about three quarters of the way done with the main game but i could just spam the attack button and everything was dead i didn't have to use any of the potions or oils or bombs or spells or any of the tools hmm. so like i i just cranked up the difficulty to the the highest level to see if that made a difference and now i use all that stuff and i kind of see like oh this like i read like what these decoctions actually do because i actually uh get a benefit from using them in combat mm-hmm. and i made like fights closer like mechanics wise it's still the same you still just gotta hit the enemies a bunch of times but by turning the difficulty up, it made me use some of the, the other tools that they put in the game that I probably n- never really would have if I just stayed on normal. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why they scale difficulty, right? Because it makes it accessible to everyone. Someone who's not very good at video games, not very uh, <clears throat> experienced with games, they might play on normal difficulty or even under normal difficulty and find it challenging. Whereas... Yeah. Us, you know, you or I, maybe we have to scale up a little bit and we can uh, find that same amount of challenge, but by inc- by sliding the challenge or the difficulty bar to the right, I just think it's, I just find it, I just want to play the game. I don't want to have to worry about finding the correct difficulty for myself or especially in a lot of games where you pick the difficulty at the very beginning and you aren't able to change it, you know, that's a crazy annoyance in games. Yeah. Like, you find the game way too easy or way too hard and you can't just change it on the spot but i've done the flip side too i've played on like the the story mode where it's just like 
there's no combat you're just there for the story and uh, it was mainly just to get through some games in my backlog like i did that with one of the uncharted games i just played it on the easiest difficulty and i didn't have to do stealth or anything like that <laughs> so like i see both perspectives that's well, interesting. We could talk about game difficulty all day, but yeah. there's the side of the spectrum that, you know, <clears throat> typically my argument is there should be no difficulty options. It should be artists' uh, intent, you know. However, the game developer wants you to experience, put it at that difficulty, and then it'll be the perfect package, right? Mm-hmm. But then what the argument that always comes back is, you know, the accessibility for, you know, uh different people who have disabilities you know they can just never play through certain games because they're too hard so it's uh it's a tough topic but some of my favorite games are games where there isn't a difficulty option Mm -hmm. like uh the souls games or um hellblade doesn't have a difficulty option does it no so yeah, I read too that it actually has in a decent amount of work for the developers when they have to balance the game for multiple different difficulty levels. And that's why a lot of times difficulty is just enemies have more health. You right. take more damage. Yeah. Most of the time. Well, what do you think about games where you have to beat the game first on normal to even unlock the hard difficulty? I, I would play, play it twice. Like uh, Borderlands? Resident Evil. Yeah, you only unlock nightmare after you beat it on hard. You know? Cuphead, you didn't unlock the challenge the bosses until yeah. you completed them. Right, I think it adds something extra for people who really like the game and are hardcore fans. But if you're just playing through it once, then it doesn't take anything away. Yeah. Right? Other than maybe feeling bad that you don't have the time to go through again. Yeah, there's some games like, I think older Japanese games where there's like secret bosses that you can only fight if you play on like the ultra difficulty mode which you can't unlock until you beat the game on normal or hard or whatever so you kind of miss out on that they kind of lock that behind the difficulty wall and people feel all kinds of ways about that Hmm. you'd think the only people who would care about that are people who are really into the game and if they're really into the game then get good I watched like a Game Ranks video where it was like top 10 hidden bosses and they weren't games that I played and I I had no idea but I don't in the comments everyone's just bitching yeah like why are these hidden yeah any other thoughts on The Witcher Paul I I love it it's a 10 out of 10 game yeah it starts pretty slow I bounced off it the first couple times but once you're in it, you're in it, and it's it's really good. <clears throat> but I haven't played the expansions yet. Maybe that could be a future. Yeah, I'm only doing base game right now. I'm going to probably take a break after I beat the main game. I'm not going to jump into them right away. What is nice is that uh, if we do ever pick it for this podcast, it was, if you wanted to jump in and just do the expansion... You can start with a leveled up character already. You don't have to play the whole 100 hour base game. Yeah. <clears throat> I played it on Switch too. I like they came out with a Switch version I think in 2020 and 
Man, it's a miracle that that game can run on a Switch, but it, it runs pretty well. It kind of looks like crap, but it doesn't have any frame rate issues or anything, and it's pretty enjoyable to play handheld. So, yeah, that's consumed, like, all of my time for the last month. Been grinding through it. Gotcha. So you're, like, a bunch of hours in then? Yeah, I think I'm probably around 60-ish right now. I think it's got about another 20 left. Nice. So it's been fun. Cool. And I've been playing uh, Mountain Blade, Bannerlord. Uh, I think all three of us loved Warband. Uh, Bannerlord came out with their early access. Is it still now or is it in beta now? Bannerlord? I don't know. It came out a while ago, like early access, whatever it is. Like probably a year or so ago. March 2020. March 2020 is when Bannerlord came out? Came out? Uh, yeah, it came out at the end of March in 2020. So a year and six months ago. Yeah. And when that first came out, there was a lot of uh, incompletion. Um, you know, we got into uh, different areas where you talk to an NPC and uh, they wouldn't have dialogue. It would just say uh, dialogue not written. <laughs> um, so a lot. Of, so I think all of us uh, bounced off it at that point. But... Uh, I watched some YouTube video this week and saw some guy playing uh, Bannerlord, and I just was excited to get back into it. And I haven't gotten to a point yet where uh, where they don't have any text, so I'm still playing it. If uh, that changes, I'm sure. Uh, if I find a spot where I find it's incomplete, then I might bounce off it and restart it again uh, in another year when it full releases. But we'll see. Do they have actual quests now that you can do? Yeah, there's quests. Okay. Was there no quests at all before? There was, like, the main one where it's like, oh, your brother and you were attacked on the road. Yeah. I, I mean, I only played a few hours. I bounced off really fast. Uh-huh. It just felt like Mountain Blade, like, 1.1. It is, like, the exact same game, just bigger. But I love that game, so it's okay. Yeah, really, I want to wait for them to introduce some of the features, like the Criminal Enterprise. Yeah. That's one that I'm really excited for, but it's probably a a pain in the ass to get right with the game, so that'll probably be a feature that comes out, like, right before they're ready to go, 1.0. All right, so this is episode five of Giants of Backlog podcast. Um, This week, we're reviewing, uh, or talking about the Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Um as a reminder, I said last week, but for me, this was a complete nostalgia trip. Uh, growing up, this was my favorite game I played in my childhood. Uh, these three for the PS1, I just remember me, my brother, and my dad. Uh, when my dad was playing, we'd be huddled around uh, with it plugged into the TV. Uh, playing through spiral levels, so slow compared to what we play today. Compared to how fast we beat games today, but... Uh, playing through spiral levels we didn't have a memory card so we always left the uh the playstation on uh the entire time we played it until either the play uh, either we beat the game or more commonly uh we bumped the cord and unplugged it and had to restart so i just i just remember those i have fond memories playing these original three uh with my family i also had the uh I had the PlayStation 1 with the built-in, like, the mini with the built-in screen. So me and Dean would play uh, 
we played on that and same same thing we didn't have a memory card so again it would just be uh us two playing playing spyro for weeks trying to beat these games and uh <clears throat> most of the time bumping the cord and restarting our playstation and losing all progress <laughs> but well when this this trilogy came out i was super excited about it i have such great memories from my childhood playing these games um so i was it was it was super exciting for me so uh, the reignite trilogy it's made by toys for bob uh they're the same company that made uh crash bandicoot insane trilogy um so they're coming back with a lot of nostalgia for us uh, who grew up in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, they also had uh, quite a few other games um, looking up when we looked up earlier. Uh, what did they have? They had the Sky Skywalkers. Skylanders. Skylanders. Skywalkers. <laughs> Skylanders. Well, where, where are their... their uh... Skylanders, Pandemonium, if you remember that, from 1996. Um, <clears throat> Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam, Madagascar uh spyro and well more recently the spyro reignited trilogy and the crash bandicoot uh remix yeah so trilogy yeah whatever the hell so i was surprised that uh they've been around for so long i assumed that uh until an hour ago when we looked up what toys for bob made that they were a studio that just came up that it was probably just a few people who uh made uh who remade the Spyro trilogy, you know, just because uh, they were fans growing up. But actually, it's a studio that's been around since, what, 1992? Which was surprising to me. Do we want to hit the hot takes? Yeah, I think uh, hitting hot takes sounds good to me. Go for it, guys. I mean, I don't, I don't really have a, a hot take per se i mean um <laughs> all right my hot take is um spyro is a better skateboarder than tony hawk <laughs> okay um my hot take is this is a baby game for babies <laughs> it was really hard back when i played it when i was a baby but now nowadays it's a baby game for babies, and there's one point in one of the games I'll bring it up later where it, like, really hit me. Like, this is for children. <laughs> but that's my hot take. That's funny, because I have a note on my sheets where talking about uh, how hard this game was as a kid versus playing it now. As a kid, as I was saying, it took weeks. Weeks of leaving the PlayStation on. Mm-hmm. Weeks to days to beat a level days you know a week to beat a beat a overworld i beat the first spyro which i might contend is the most difficult of the three in four hours and i i will admit like when i picked this game again i beat the real reignite trilogy um when it first came out so i i 100 percented each one uh, 117 119 121 or whatever it is when you get all the skill points and all the gems. Um, so when I repicked this game, uh, I decided rather than spending all the time beating it for you know, the fifth time in my life, I was just gonna run through as fast as I could. And 
I was able to beat these games so fast, whereas as a kid, I basically couldn't even beat them, which I thought was funny. What's your hot take, John? My hot take is I wish they'd bring 3D platformers back because they're the best type of video game. Ratchet and Clank. I think that's a bad take. There's a lot of yeah. 3D platformers. <laughs> There's a lot. Super Mario. Yeah. Uh, Odyssey, Alan Wonderland, Bowser's. Uh, I was laughing because I was. I had my note is like this year's big 3D platformer was Alan Wonderland. This <laughs> might be the worst game of the year. You got Ratchet and Clank, and that's true. Actually, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't have a PlayStation though. Yeah, Psychonauts, Psychonauts too. Psychonauts is a 3D platformer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Pretty laughs> There's a lot then. of them. Um, I don't take it back. I don't. Take it back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, uh, number three, I'm going to the intro to Spyro. <clears throat> well, I guess I actually did a lot of that already. So uh, I just want to hit some of the uh, more general items with Spyro. Um, I guess first, uh, let's talk about art style music. Um, if you guys have any uh, any recollection of the originals and i'm not sure i let's talk about that for a second um as i've stated a hundred times i love the originals i played them a bunch of times when i was a kid did you guys play the originals as as a kid i played one and two i never played three i definitely played one and two i don't remember if i well i I played three because i remember skateboarding actually gotcha i don't know if i've ever beat three though Mm mm-hmm and to be honest, I don't know if I ever beat any of them when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't think I beat any of them as yeah, a kid. Yeah, the PlayStation unplugging probably did it. Yeah, most of the time. I remember we were stuck on Ripto. The only time we ever got to Ripto, we were stuck on them for a week, and then we accidentally unplugged the PlayStation. <laughs> I, I will say the feeling I remember from like beating those games when I was a kid like trumps any feeling I've ever had in my life since. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> is that your hot take? Yeah, sure. That's a better skateboarding. <laughs> so exciting when you're a kid playing a game like that and like like you said, it's a baby game for babies, but when you're a baby It's tough. Yeah. When it's a hard baby, game it's... for adults. <laughs> when you're a baby. <laughs> so going back into art and music style. Um, I got a question. Are we talking about all three at once, or are we starting with one? How do you want to do this? So I was just going to hit the general stuff. I don't know. Is there certain points that you want to hit for art and music for well, each of I have a three? note that I think the music in three is the best out of the other two games. Hmm. I, I was bumping to some of the music in three. <laughs> and uh, it's really... Art style is... It's interesting that all these companies that are making these remakes manage to create a world that is how you remember it. Yeah. Yeah, if you play the original Spyro, it looks like shit now. Oh, I know but for a fact. in that. your memory, it looks like how the remakes look, you know? Yeah. I disagree. Well, for me, <laughs> opening up Spyro one i was like oh yeah this looks like how my how i remember playing spyro one even though it's completely not mm-hmm. it, it's 
it's been upgraded a ton, but my rose tinted glasses from uh, my nostalgia and my memories did the up res in my brain. And then this came out and it, it, it hit on point. It's really cool. A lot of these games, um, and I'm sure it's budgetary reasons, but every single level had its own music, mm -hmm. its own track, um, which made them all feel distinct. It's not just the same song looping for however many hours you play. So I really like the artwork. I think they hit it perfectly in making Spyro look way better than he did. And uh, I dug some of the music, especially in the third game. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, because I, I didn't really remember what it looked like either, because I'm like, oh yeah, this looks like I remember. So I like looked up old footage from like PS1 gameplay, and yeah, it looks bad. Mm -hmm. One thing, though, that I, I noticed was, like, they added a bunch of animations for Spyro 2, so when he jumps and he flutters, it looks um, a lot more, uh, I don't want to say realistic, but it looks a lot better than it did, a lot less staticky mm -hmm. compared to the original game, so. Gorgeous. Yeah, and when I first, I mean, I have slightly different uh, thought than you guys um, because I remember when I first opened the Reignite trilogy and I first saw the first scene, I thought, wow, this looks so much better than the original. I thought, this is incredible. And I remember, and I didn't write it down when I was first playing the games, but I would uh, talk to different dragons. I'd go to diff new areas and I'd be like, wow, this looks, I like what they did here, but this looks completely different than the original. Because I have like so many vivid memories of the original game that... I would be talking to a dragon and be like, I know for a fact that these dragons were way less complex. They they added a lot of uh, a lot of personality to a lot of the dragons in the game with that was not there in the original. And uh, going through, I would just be like, I I had I had like that that moment where you're trying to decide like, do I like it? Do I wish they stuck it to? You know, it being exactly the game that I remember, or do I like that they upgraded it and that it, uh, that these these uh, NPCs, these these characters, have more uh, more personality than they did uh, when I first played the game, and I you know landed on that. I did enjoy, I did enjoy that. When it comes to the music, um, I don't remember every track from. The originals but i do remember um a lot of i guess the tracks that stuck with me and i couldn't name exactly which worlds they're from but i love that they kept some of the original tracks that you go into that world and you're you're expecting that track that you remember from you know when you're six years old and it's playing and you're like wow that is awesome that you know they didn't they didn't feel the need to uh upgrade upgrade the music for this world but it, it's still what i remember it, it used it, it used it it used to be so i i enjoyed that i i enjoyed a lot of uh i liked a lot of where they stuck to the original and i liked also liked a lot of where they uh did minor upgrades to the visuals of the game yeah it's like they just put a fresh coat of paint on it mm -hmm. is what exactly. i would uh 
yeah. equate it to. Because they didn't change any of the level design. It's all the same, right? Yeah. Um, next, I just want to quickly touch on uh, controls and just see what you, what uh, devices you guys played on. Um, like everything, I played on PC. What did you play on, Paul? Uh, I played on PlayStation. I played on Xbox. Wow. So we all uh, played on different, different systems. So um, I just wonder, what's your guys' opinions on how the game played? Um, how any of the mechanics felt, if there was any uh, clunkiness on anything that uh, you guys were playing as or anything you noticed. It felt really smooth to me. With, with the original, how did the camera controls work? You didn't control it with an, with an analog stick, did you? In the first game, it was... How was it? Because I know in the second game, they added um, the ability for you to choose whether it was attached or detached camera. And I think everyone plays with attached camera, right? But fixed, fixed camera, fixed or really? Detached. What's mine's, the one where you don't have to control it? Fixed. That's fixed. I didn't play with mine fixed. I played with. Mine. I liked being able to move it with really? like the joystick and however I want. I thought it made some of the jumps easier. It probably does. Yeah. I, I think like that was like a big part of the difficulty in the first game. You have the fixed camera and you just can't kind of angle it to figure out like where exactly you need to jump and. Mm -hmm. Being able to do that in the um, Reignited trilogy really made like some of the jumps for like treetops easier. Yeah, I think I played fixed camera the whole time, and I know what you're talking about because like some of the areas where you like charging toward the screen, yeah, like you can't see anything. You're just hoping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're just guessing. Yeah. But being able to just kind of turn the camera in uh, free camera mode really uh, made it a lot easier. I thought. That makes sense. I thought the controls were really tight and polished. I think Toys for Bob did a good job. And if there was any jank with the old games, it didn't carry over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it played uh, extremely well. All right. So that's, for the most part, I believe, all the general stuff that I wanted to hit. So um, can, I, can I hit a couple things? Yeah, absolutely. I thought the voice acting throughout all three games was killer really well well done um and the enemy variety in this game is insane yeah nuts mm -hmm. most games come out nowadays you have one enemy model with different colors and that's your different varieties of enemy this game has a different enemy for every single world well, they reuse some, but for the most part, different enemies, different uh, NPCs, and it's all been remastered, and I, that can't be an easy task. So just think about how many models you have to make for all that. And yeah. Make them all animate and behave correctly, and so I thought it was really well done. Piggybacking off your first point about the uh, voice acting, voice acting, and not just the voice acting was really good, but also uh, the syncing of the dragons talking to the voice was really good because dragons aren't real, so it's hard to make it look like they're speaking English. Yeah, is that your new? That's your new hot take. Dragons aren't real. 
So that's that's new hot take. Dragons aren't real. I want to piggyback off your other point about the enemy variety. That's something that I really like in uh, games when you have a whole bunch of different enemies and you have to learn uh, how to deal with them because they're all unique, right? Like some guys have metal armor on and you can't flame them. You have to charge them. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I... That's, I guess that's kind of part of the difficulty of Spyro because sometimes I'd, I'd forget or I would just react the wrong way and I'd charge into a guy who was too big and he'd just stop me. Right. But when you hit a sequence where there's a bunch in a row and you just like nail the switching between like flame breath, charge, it, it feels really good. And it uh, spices up those levels. Good to start on Spyro the Dragon. Mm-hmm. All right, so first game in the Spyro trilogy is Spyro the Dragon. Uh, came out in 1998, the original Spyro. So, uh, plot of the game. Uh, after hearing a Dragon news broadcast call him simple-minded, not a threat, and ugly, Nasty Nork <laughs> uses his magic to encase every dragon across the land in a crystal shell. He also steals all the dragon's treasure, turning it into Nork soldiers. Spyro is the only dragon not crystallized, probably because he's the only small dragon in uh, the whole world forever, and must save all other dragons and defeat Nasty Nork. So that's the quick summary of uh, the premise of the game. Um, So, of course, you're Spyro, and you go through all these different worlds, unlocking uh dragons out of crystal yeah i thought the opening cutscene was really funny it held up over the years yeah uh well animated and man it just felt like stepping into a jacuzzi you know only good vibes relaxation and uh about to collect some gems yeah Mm mm-hmm So, uh, from there, uh, I, I just wanted to start by talking about the characters, um, talking about Spyro and Sparks and the various dragons that they have to, uh, to rescue. So Spyro, uh, he's the small pink dragon, pink purple dragon. <laughs> oh no. That'd no. be a, that'd be a different game. That. We're cutting that. <laughs> we might not be cutting that. Small It'll be edited dragon. out. I need a break. One sec. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take a break? Mm. No. Okay. Okay. So Spyro, he's uh, the small purple dragon. For some reason, he is the only dragon uh, who is not turned to crystal. Reasons unknown. Uh, does it ever explain why he's not turned to crystal? Not that just, I can remember. Just because he's little. I think it's just because he's little. Like you see in the cutscene, all like the spells raining down and he just kind of doesn't get hit so it's a trope in all storytelling where the smallest of a group has to take on a a giant threat and overcome it no no not a threat not a threat (laughs) and ugly and whatever else but it's you know the whole david and goliath um and it helps get the audience behind Spyro rooting for him because he's the underdog. Mm-hmm. So Spyro, 
he needs to travel throughout uh, the Dragon Realm through each of the different worlds, um, freeing each of the larger dragons from the crystal. So there are six different overworlds within the first game, Spiral the Dragon, with probably four to six uh, worlds each, where each one has probably three dragons. How many dragons are there total? 150? Yeah, I believe so. Something like that. So there's a lot of dragons to, to free. Each time you free a dragon, they all uh, have a unique uh, thank you message until about halfway through the game where they ran out of unique thank you messages to add and they all just start saying thank you for rele- thank you for releasing me <laughs> in different ways. <laughs> yep. Um, but that's basically the game. You're going through each of these levels. Each level has different uh, different platforming areas, different uh, different enemies to uh, to flame or charge, and uh, you're freeing dragons in each one. So I guess the question here is uh, for you guys, um, what are some of your guys' favorite levels? And what made them unique and memorable to you? Well, uh, with the first Spyro being the first one I completed, uh, it's the one I remember the least. Um, I... I made a note that the all the levels in one seemed way longer than the levels in two, or the worlds, I should say, mm-hmm. individually. Um, and yeah, and I'm coming from a different frame than you, John, where. I don't remember all of Spyro vividly, but the the starting area, the uh, artisans, yeah, home world, um, running around flaming sheep again, <laughs> yeah, just brought back this huge wave of nostalgia and hit me like a wall. That you know, did you cry? I was there before. No, I didn't cry, but like I said, it was like jumping into a jacuzzi. And uh, right with that, I think one of my favorite uh, worlds in all of Spyro, because of the nostalgia from the very first world, is Toasty, the first boss world. Because I remember as a kid not knowing how to open that freaking dragon's mouth. (laughs) and just bashing into it flaming it could not get it open and just just being so confused with it yeah i remember that as a kid too so uh running around that first artisan's world and seeing that 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 big stone dragon head uh was just like you said massive nostalgia rush um so i mean it's not even so much that I love Toasty as a as a level, but just uh, how much I remember struggling to get into there as a kid uh, makes me love that level. Uh, my favorite levels would have to be Treetops. Yep, I'm right there with you. 
And I also am fond of Haunted Tower. And I like both of those because they have a ton of like speed up ramps in them. The superchargers. Yeah, the supercharged ramps. And you just have to hit really precise jumps in order to get all the loot from them. And I spent so much time on treetops, even with the camera like being able to roam free. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I wanted to get 100, 120%. Mm-hmm. for that one so i spent a ton of time and I, it's fun like when you finally hit that jump like it's exhilarating yeah treetops was almost like a puzzle trying to figure out how to how the ramps work the together ramps together to be able to get to that far off uh island yeah in the sky that didn't seem like it was even possible to get to. I had like 25 lives when I started yeah. Treetops and I just lost them all. Yeah, I had to flame cheap and artisan to get lives back to try Treetops again. <laughs> yeah. I similarly lost all my lights, lives on Treetops trying to get that last one. And then you find the correct solution and it doesn't even seem like it should be the correct solution because it doesn't look yeah, right because you over. have to turn so hard. Yeah, the you angle. come up and then you full, like, do a, a 270 degree turn. It's like, that's not right. Or you're mean. You bash into the wall because you don't turn tight enough and you just have to yeah. go fall all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> or you fall off. Yeah. It's almost worse if you don't because then you have to run all the way back to the start, like the first ramp. Yeah. Um, I also have, as one of my favorite levels, Clifftown. Um, I like Clifftown a lot because I think for the first game, it was the trickiest uh, spot to hide gems where in the starting area, uh, the the gems were hidden behind the starting area. So you had to go all the way through the entirety of the level and then go to the edge at the top of the cliff and then jump off and jump at the starting area and go behind it. Yeah, to that, get the last like six gems. That was one that took me a long time to find where those gems were, and that was when I came back to it to get all the gems to hundred percent everything. Because mm-hmm. I remember going running around forever, forever, and it's like there's nowhere. I've checked every single spot. There's nowhere it could be, and then you're like standing on top of that cliff, and you're looking. It's like. I think I can glide to there. It's probably just wasting a life. When I do it and lose my life, all of the minions are going to respawn. So I'm going to have to clear them all out again to continue my my search. But I think I can get there and I have checked everywhere else. So might as well. Then you Mm -hmm. go back there and that's where the gems are. And you're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you guys think of the bosses in the first game? And starts with Toasty. I thought all the bosses are really, really easy, mm-hmm. just in general, um, and I don't really have much more to say, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's true, because I think basically every boss in the first game was three hits to to beat. Hit them, they run away to a new area, hit them again, they run away to a new area, and then they're flamed. Yeah. The design of the bosses, like some of them, like Toasty is cool because he has like, is he the one with the stilts? Yeah, he's he's two sheep underneath a yeah. coat. So I liked him. And then uh, 
There's one one more I thought was clever. I'll look and see what it was really quick while you guys talk. Metalhead was cool. Metalhead was the one that's a big robot and you have to take out all the pillars. He wasn't... Uh, every other boss was like, like you said, chase it around, flame him, chase it around. He goes to a different area, flame him, goes to a different area, finish him. Yeah. Metalhead at least was destroy all his... Uh, charge all his... Uh, rot his lightning rods or whatever they were he runs to a new area charge all his lightning rods he goes to a new area so at least you're charging he's up just flaming one thing yeah i like nasty nork at the end um yeah so let me just uh once you uh find and release something like a hundred dragons uh one dragon because the other 99 don't help you at all. But one dragon uh, helps you get into Nasty's world, or no, he's just all, he's in, he's in Crystal again in Nasty's world because he's the only dragon that was like trying to fight and find Nasty. <laughs> so you finally get to Nasty's world, and the, the one dragon is there. And uh, once you free him again, he leaves, and it's you, just you again, even though. At this point, you've freed a hundred dragons, so, yeah. so they could all help you. So you could roll up with a hundred and one dragons. Right. Nah. Also, every other dragon can fly, and you can't. <laughs> but uh, uh, you you finally get into Nasty's world after you un- unlock enough of the dragons, um, and there there's a few more levels uh, where you unlock a few more dragons. Once you complete those levels, you're able to go into the final boss fight with Nasty Nor. Thank you, Jay. Well, I thought it was cool that, you know, the dragons or the egg thieves mm-hmm. um, that you typically get an egg from were holding keys and you had to get the keys to unlock the different paths to then finally be able to get to Nasty Nork. And then it was it was a cool little circuit again it was just chase them around until you hit them three times but uh it was enjoyable and felt like the culmination yeah. of the first game and i was ready to kick nasty north's ass mm-hmm. yeah that fight was good i thought because it kind of combined the platforming with the boss tactics that we talked about earlier I had such a hard time. Nasty Nork fight has always annoyed me, though. Because I had such a hard time. I think it's in the first phase where he's just running in circles. Mm-hmm. Catching up to him. Like, it's not easy. Yeah, you can cut a few corners. You have to, or else you don't how... catch him ever. Yeah. You have to, like, basically run the lap perfect, or else you just don't get to him. And talking about the egg thieves. So... Throughout the game, there are, uh, you know, the blue thieves with the hood. Uh, they have eggs. And um, in the first game, it's kind of pointless, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those eggs don't do anything. Well, to get a 100% level cl- completion, you need to get the eggs as well as the dragons. Right, but that's the only thing, right? It doesn't yeah. actually have any... Thing to do with the story at all even like it's just just added just challenge somebody with eggs which i mean i'm gonna jump ahead real quick to the third game where there's egg thieves that actually 
the objective in the third game is to get the eggs, the dragon eggs bag. Mm-hmm. And there's egg thieves there where when you hit the eggs or when you kill the egg thieves and you get the egg bag, it's part of the overall uh, concept of the game. You know, you're getting a, a, a baby dragon bag. But first game, it kind of felt a little pointless, uh, the, the eggs, other than I guess just the added collectible yeah collectible add something to do so i mean i guess not not a negative it's just not needed i don't know um but yeah uh, at the end of the day nasty nork fight i think like we said it it was basically the same as the other fights as well you chase them around the platforming was more difficult yeah and um it added it it continued with the mechanics of like the earlier fights but uh at the end of the day it was basically just hit him three times with dragon breath and he dies yeah which was surprising i remember hitting him with the dragon breath the third time and expecting the fight to keep going and he was just dead <laughs> it's like oh yeah. this is the main bad guy that's the end of the game like, oh. he's done yes and like every other enemy in the whole game falls down and just poof yep gone and then you got uh, almost arrogant Spyro on the news, like bragging. <laughs> sunglasses on. Just that yeah. the concept of uh, Dragon TV, Dragon News is really funny to me. I think that's... That's a question. Is <laughs> Was there Dragon News in the originals? I don't think so, right? I don't know. I don't think that was how exactly how it started in the originals. I didn't look it up. I'll probably look it up after we get done with this, but... Um, I, it's like you said, it's a funny concept and I enjoy it, but I don't, I, I don't know if, uh, that was original from Insomniac or if Toys for Bob added that one. Kind of curious. It's, it's a funny, funny thing to me and we didn't really talk about it, but the original games were by Insomniac and... At this point, it's like Insomniac can do no wrong. Um, but back in the 90s, they were just pumping out icons, you know, like Spyro. Um, you know, you, you can name probably 10 90s icons that came from their games. And so what do you guys think about Spyro as the icon and how he uh, compares to his peers? I just want to cut in and go back to the Dragon News. It's the Dragon News Network, the DNN, and it's a parody of CNN. That makes sense. <laughs> Who are his peers? All right. Um, like all the other dragons? No. He's, he, he's smaller than them. My, uh, <laughs> my question went over your heads. Yeah. Um, I was looking up DNN. I mean, no matter who you say, I'm gonna say Spyro's the best one. So. Oh yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um. How does Spyro compare to Ratchet? Oh, it's yeah, tough. I love Ratchet and Clank too. They're kind of similar. Like they both have a little bit of attitude, right? Spyro's a cooler guy. Ratchet's got cooler guns. Yeah, Ratchet is a nerd. And Spyro is more of a give me your lunch money kind of guy. Yeah. 
Like, Spyro would kick Ratchet's ass, probably, actually. Yeah. Spyro's got dragon skin to protect him from all of Ratchet's bullshit. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about, like, influence on culture. Uh, I don't know, was Ratchet and Clank influenced by Spyro? Then Spyro. Was there, it was Insomniac's next game after they finished with the Spyro trilogy. Oh, it is kind of... Seen, I don't know if this is, like, their impact on the culture. It's not, actually. But I think uh, Ratchet was, like, the next logical step for them to take. It's a 3D platformer, but now he's got guns and bombs and a bunch of abilities, whereas Spyro just has, like, his flame breath, his charge. So I was looking at it, though, where Spyro's cool in that because he's a dragon and he has wings, he has the ability to, ability to glide, which most... Uh, I guess Ratchet eventually has the ability to glide, too. Yeah. But... Uh, he was the first one with the ability to glide, which opened up a lot of possibilities in the platforming uh, world. Yeah. yeah, I think Spyro is probably more iconic than Ratchet. I, I think if you talk to the average person who played games, like more people have probably played the Spyro trilogy than the Ratchet and Clank games. I don't. I've, nothing no facts to back that up that's just what <laughs> how i feel <laughs> i feel like spyro is bigger than ratchet um but i feel like they kind of did all they could do with spyro so they moved on to ratchet what happened uh so when the ps2 games came out for spyro was that not insomniac did they sell the license to them or something like who yeah insomniac did not those? make those uh activision i don't know everyone hated those yeah, I think Activision got the rights to Spyro, and then they tried to reboot it. And like you said, everybody kind of hated those like reboot attempts. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never played them. I tried to play uh, Year of the Dragonfly, which I mean, we got to give them some credit. Spyro the Dragon, Year of the Dragon, Year of the Dragonfly. Like they're just, it's there's four different games with the same name. That's that's pretty well done, but. I tried to play Year of the Dragonfly, and uh, I don't know, just wasn't into it. It was on PS2? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Like, I got most of the way through it, and I think I was still a kid again, so it was, like, hard for me, which might have been why I never beat it, but it was, uh, it it wasn't the same as the original three, for sure. Plus, speedrun's only, like, 14 seconds long, which is hilarious. Uh, You ever see that? Mm -hmm. The speedrun for Year of the Dragonfly, like, in the first 10 seconds, they dive through the ground with a a precise jump charge dive, and they warp to the end of the game. (laughs) Was that before, like, they... I guess everybody was just playing on discs, and they weren't connected to the internet, so there was no way to, like, patch that out. Right. And, uh... How does Spyro compare to Spider-Man? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> it's Ratchet, it's um, Ratchet and Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's Insomniac, but the real question was, like, compare him to Crash, compare him well, to the other 90s after mascot uh, platformers, Voodoo Vince. Um, Voodoo Vince. Well, after Ratchet, Spider-Man was the next logical step. 
I mean, I'm asking like compared to other mascot 3D platformers that we grew up on, right? Jack and Dexter. Oh, I love Jack and Dexter. How More does Spyro, Spyro compare to Mario? You know, like I that was the question. Mario. That's one I need. Spyro's up there. That's something I probably shouldn't have like, even admitted. Spyro's probably <laughs> top five. Probably I think. Not. I think I'd put Spider-Man, Mario ahead of him definitely and then it's spider-man counts as a 3d platformer there's no platforms yeah there are platforms everywhere you're platforming with webs <laughs> all right i derailed the podcast <laughs> go ahead continue on Put in, comment on whether or not you think uh spyro or Maybe spider-man is a 3d platformer growler go? it's in the Uzi. oh nice all right, I'll get it out. I think I think Spyro's up there. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not up my number there one. At number oh, right. one. His most directly compared is Crash. Crash. He's way better than Crash. He's Crash better than Crash. Was way too hard. No one liked playing Crash. Crash was such bullshit. Yeah, it just makes me angry thinking about Crash. Yep. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so I had Spyro at my house, and I'd play Crash at my friend's house, and I always thought. Like Crash was really cool because I had limited exposure, and I never actually like played the whole game. But the floating mask and and everything, um, in my eyes as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to have Crash, the video game. But my parents never got it for me, so <laughs> that's uh, the problem as a kid. You don't get every game you want. I liked the Crash Kart Racing games. I liked Crash Kart Racing. Well, it's just like the the grass is greener, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which makes no sense, though, because Sparks is Spyro's health bar, and he has three different colors and then gone. And Crash has the mask, which is just there or not. Yeah, but in Crash they go... In Crash they go... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i bought the uh crash insane trilogy and that game as an adult is ridiculously hard yeah. i'm st- i have they didn't fix any of the broken jumps from right because it's very difficult to tell well. it's extremely difficult to tell how far you're jumping yeah so that's, that's my gripe i uh and i guess that's the difficulty but uh, yeah, I, I I I am barely into that game. I think I beat two bosses so far, like on world three of the first game, and I've been playing consistently, like pick it up every month for like a few hours, and then you know every I don't know, depending on the month, how I'll put in between you know three and eight hours into it, and I'll maybe beat a world. It's like this game is fucking hard. It sucks. <laughs> Alright, Ripto's Rage, Spyro Wait, 2. I want to derail the podcast. Oh. Is Frogger a 3D platformer? I love Frogger. <laughs> I, I love Frogger so much. I think it's so a 2D much. platformer. I'd have friends over. We just play Frogger all day. Frogger I was a shit. Frogger. Oh, sorry, I just. That's a good one. Let's talk about Frogger for an hour. Played Frogger at preschool. They had it on a computer there for some reason. And, and it's good for teaching your kids not to go in the road. Yeah, you get run over. So, Remember the freeway mission or levels? 
where mm-hmm. they have the cards coming at you and you those are the best, and man. like you go in and then there's there's you can't go forward so you jump back to your side oh yeah. what a great game <laughs> i don't want to go again Paul, is that going to be your pick at the least? My pick Frogger. is Frogger. Frogger. I would play Frogger. I'd beat Frogger. Shit, in. I just gave John an idea. That'd be so much fun. You know I'm all about the 2D and 3D platformers now. Yeah. Yeah. What's Frogger? A 1D platformer? 2D, I'd say. Oh, because you can go side to side. That's right. Yeah. Ripto's Rage. Ripto's Rage. All right, we're good to do it. 1999. The Wait, very- I just want to derail the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ripto's Rage. 1999. The very next year, Insomniac releases Spyro 2. Premise: Alora, Hunter, and the Professor, new characters, are testing their largest portal yet. When they accidentally let Ripto into Avatar. Please, there are no dragons here. He decides to take it over. Meanwhile, Spyro and Sparks decide to go on a vacation to Dragon Shores because in the Dragon Realm, it's been raining for weeks straight. They go into the portal Dragon Shores and find themselves instead in the realm of Avalar. <clears throat> they, lo- they learn Alora the Fawn, Hunter the Cheetah, and the Professor summon them there as an attempt to get a dragon to take on Ripto, an angry warlock who has decided to take over Avalar with the help of his dino-esque minions, Gulp and Crush. Ripto arrives, destroys the portal, and leaves the power crystals needed, and steals the power crystal needed to send Spyro and Sparks back home. Spyro must defeat Ripto and find 40 power orbs in order to power a portal and leave Avalar. So you go into this into this world, into this uh, land where Ripto now controls everything, and it's your job too again. Uh, same kind of system. There are four overworlds, I believe, with different portals to uh, different levels, and it's your job to now get talismans from each of the leaders of these worlds uh, to show that they're on your side to try to expel Ripto from this realm. While you're there, you're also looking for these power orbs so that once you do expel Ripto, you're able to go back home. Two, in my opinion, was the best of the three. Um, it had a lot of variety in the ways you got orbs. You would have to do different missions or mini games for people uh there were a couple fun ones like the turtle soup one mm-hmm. yeah um the one with the alchemist that is going around and there's the giant stone people that you have to keep away from crushing him and he oh yeah he would always juke me out and then go the other direction and get crushed that was um, one of my most memorable uh, mini games from all the Spyro from being a kid because I lost a hundred times in a row. On that. <laughs> yeah, is that the fawn people, the goat people? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, that alchemist was a jerk. Um, gulp. I have a note that gulp was harder than I thought he was gonna be. Um, mm-hmm. I have 
there's some walls you need to break and it was a minor annoyance to me or if you came back to that level you'd have to re-break all the walls mm -hmm. so that was annoying to me um i'll go back to my hot take i had earlier about it being a baby game for babies there are two missions where you have to collect all the bones for a skeleton mm -hmm. and when you return the bones to the guy it makes a skeleton and he starts dancing i hated that and the skeleton starts flossing i, and I threw up in my mouth you know like, that's oh, yeah. not from the original game <laughs> oh really disclaimer obviously you kidding me <laughs> yes and i was like yes, oh yeah that was the second when i was like oh that hurt me. this this is targeted at children that this is a bad. baby game for babies i wish you wouldn't have brought that up <laughs> i forgot about that happily that <laughs> Docks the whole thing a point for me. It almost does for me, but it doesn't. Yeah, that was hard. Like that was tough yeah, to see. I was really I don't know why excited they put that in to get the bones back game. to the guy to make his friend. And I was like, oh, he's gonna dance. This will be cool. And then it's like, are not. you kidding me? Kids aren't playing the Spiral Reignite trilogy anyway. They are. Yeah, well, I think they yeah. are. I, well, yeah, yeah, parents will buy this for the kids. Yeah, sure. and then it's they'll cute. go back to playing Fortnite. They'll stay on the couch. Yeah. They'll stay on the shelf. Could be. I think we touched on most of the new characters in 2, but we I don't think we mentioned my favorite character from 2. Uh, Moneybags? Moneybags. <laughs> Spyro 2. <laughs> the first pay-to-win game. Yeah. <laughs> Moneybags. I love that guy. Yeah. So they actually made gave gems a purpose in the second spyro other than just like 100%ing a level or it being a a hard like a, a a set amount that you need to go to the next area but for no reason they made it so a lot of areas or a lot of like bridges or something like that are closed because money bags are sitting there and he knows how to open it. He's a bear. He's got a big pouch of, or a big uh, bag of money, big bag over, of money. over his shoulder. And <laughs> he's like, boy. hey, Spyro. Yeah, you, you do it. Spyro, my boy. Want to learn how to swim underwater? <laughs> 200 gems. A bargain. Looks like this bridge is given out. I could convince the fairies to rebuild it, but it'll cost you 500 gems. <laughs> so the entire time you're going through the game, you're just being, uh, what's a good word? It's like a carrot. You're yeah. getting carroted for, what's carrot? Carrot in a stick. Hold the carrot out in front of you and you chase the carrot. Oh, you're getting carroted the whole time to give money bags money gems. Or else you can't just or else you just can't progress the game. Like uh you know, like a lot of games today it's like pay this guy two hundred gold or kill him and yeah. continue. Not in Spyro. It's pay this guy two hundred gold or sit around in world one for the rest of your life. So <laughs> Money bags. Money bags is a good character. Giving real life I, lessons to the children. My favorite part is when Money Bags is like talking about how he's gonna mess Ripto up, and he's talking about how he used to be like <laughs> a boxer. 
<laughs> yeah, and Ripto walks up behind him. <laughs> he does a little screen. <laughs> he like pushes him off the ledge. Yeah. And then you see his flag drop on the castle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good voice acting again in this one. I thought the worlds were shorter in two than one. I kind of liked it. It was all neat, compact. In two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved what they did with the levels in two. Yeah. And the the one thing that... It was really cool that every single world had an opening cutscene and a closing cutscene. Yeah. But some of them were better than others. Yeah. Some of them were really dumb. But, I mean, if you're going to put you know, 50 of these into a game. Some of them are, are going to end up being dumb, but I I enjoyed them for the most part. The little cutscenes, the Yeti, mm-hmm. uh, that you have to drop a rock on. Like, that, Yeah, that one was pretty funny. That's when Spyro became a murderer. Yeah. That's when... That's when... <laughs> pretty sure I flamed a thousand different she, things in uh, the first yeah. one. But yeah. And just the extent of different mini games that they added in each uh, in each in every each level. level. Yeah. Like uh, every level had a unique mini game or two even. Where you don't think with I mean you'd have to be pretty creative to come up with fifty unique mini games that are effective utilizing just uh fire breath charge jumping on buttons like they came up they were pretty they had they were pretty uh creative to be able to add all of that in yeah i really liked how it felt like every level had this conflict going on that you went in and solved and then Avalor, like the world that houses all these levels, has this overarching conflict with Ripto that you're solving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite, like that comes to mind, level in Ripto's Rage with Zephyr. Um, I like Zephyr a lot, too. It has these like fat slug creatures who are at war with these birds, and it's like has this cool like marching tune music that plays during it. And you like shoot cannons to shoot these birds down and blow up walls. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Have you ever thought what if when you went through the portal, you were on the other side and you were the birds? Oh, wait, that happens. Is it the same world? Is it the same game? There's another, there is another world I remember. I don't remember the name of it where you do help birds. It's the floating ship, the one with the floating ship at the end of the level. It's a dark level. It has lava pits with oh, the, the mines that jump back and forth. They have to hit. Yeah, is yeah. Is that in this game? I think so. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that is the same birds that is fighting slugs. So I think you help both sides, uh, in the same game, and they each give you a talisman. <laughs> I don't know if they fight the slugs. I think they might fight bugs, but I, I also just can't remember. But yeah, I think you do help birds in that level, and you're fighting against birds in Zephyr. Because I think I remember the birds in Zephyr having the same name as the birds on that level. Not 100% sure. Yeah. But I think so. Well, we haven't touched on it yet, 
<clears throat> but do we want to talk at all about the flying levels? Um. Yeah. Yeah, we can. They exist. Difficulty spike. They're hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why I don't like them because I, I like uh, I like Spyro being more of like a walking simulator. <laughs> I was yeah, definitely like not. collectibles and games. Um, I really like the flying levels because what I did is I saved them all for last. And you did all of them at the same time. Back and you to back. Enjoyed that. And I got really good at it, and piecing together the optimal route yeah. to get all the rings to 100% it was a lot of fun to me. Um, so I dug the flying levels. Um, I thought in some of the levels uh, that weren't flying levels but had some swimming in it, Sometimes it was unclear on what water you could swim in and what water would kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a small annoyance. Um, but in games in general, most underwater levels suck and they're not fun. But I think in Spyro, they're not that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the controls when you were underwater. They so do get sloppier. It makes it, it's it, like when you're charging, instead of it being straight, you're like going, you know. Yeah, and you guys played that with a fixed camera. Yeah. Oh, I was moving it all around underwater. I can't imagine. Well, about the manta ray in the uh, towers mission. The race with the manta ray? Yeah. Like we get to follow it or whatever. Oh, uh, that was not too bad. Yeah, I like that one. I thought that was a good, fun mini game. Yeah. I couldn't find those towers for the longest time. 100% agree, and that's why that mission is one of my least favorite, because you, I would do a ton of laughs trying to find these towers, had a lot of trouble finding them. And I mean, that's probably more on me than the game, you know, not yeah. paying attention. But then going up top and uh, racing the manta ray, I was like, oh shit, never mind, this is actually a fun mission now. You know? Just needs that one redeeming quality. I I think like when I would beat a flying mission, like the exhilaration from finally beating that flying mission was like more than I got from beating any of the bosses and any of these games. Did can you... we talk about Dragon Shores? Um, I think we can talk about that last after we get through uh, the Ripto fight. Um, so I guess from there we can just go. Let's go into the boss fights. Um, you already talked about Gulp being more difficult than you thought it was going to be. Gulp was, uh... You fight him second, right? He's the second one. He's the yeah. green dinosaur yeah. with the... Or I guess they're they're actually Rhinox, but the green Rhinox with the missile launcher on his back. Yeah, he was definitely harder than I, I thought. Because Crush, I thought, was really easy. Yeah. And then, yeah. Gulp was fun, though, and... No. Yeah, I was going to say the boss fights in this game were more fun. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, um, definitely. They had new mechanics. Yeah. They had new items for you to use in the fights. What, so. what did you think about... Um, hopefully I'm not mixing up the games. Is it is it in this game where you become the different characters? Or is no, that three? that's oh, three. It's three. Okay. Never mind. 
or later. <laughs> yeah, one more thing before we talk about uh, boss fights. Uh, I like the collectibles for the orbs in like the uh, worlds themselves. Mm-hmm. Did you find all of those? Yeah. Some of them are pretty tricky. I had to look up. You know the one guys. where, like, you're on that ledge in the first world, and like, a, down below is the water level, the tower's water level, and you have to jump and glide around the corner. Yep. That one, I like that one. Yeah, there's cool ones where you have to think about like, how the hell do I get to there? And then like the last world where it's got like the portal to take you home. They have like the waterfall that's underground. Oh yeah figuring out how the hell you get up there like um right because you can see it there's a cave underneath and you can look up and you see it the whole time you're like how the hell do i get there and it's very creative how you get there and then um i kind of like they had like uh i didn't really go back at all in the first game to old worlds Mm -hmm. but like once i figured out how to climb i went back to glimmer and got shit that i didn't so it kind of Gave it like a little Metroidvania kind of right, aspect yeah. where it incentivizes you to go back later and do shit that you couldn't earlier. The only thing I don't like about that is when you do go back in a game in Spyro, and I, in most games, is that the uh, enemies are respawned. It would be nice if they were permadead and then you could run around and just jump on this wall that you climb and then uh, go get whatever you didn't get before. But And... The annoying thing about it is the first time you kill an enemy in any Inspiro games, you get you get gems. Actually, three. Do you not get gems? Who cares? Um, for the most part, you get gems. And, you know, you need these gems to 100% the game. But afterwards, you just get a little orb that uh, goes toward getting a, another life. Yeah. But now that we're adults, we don't need 100 lives except for treetops. <laughs> so... It, they don't really matter too much. So having all the enemies respawn and having to run through them all again, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. It doesn't add a lot. It just becomes a minor Genius. inconvenience. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just hitting back on that, uh, the final world, just trying to remember... That on the top of the waterfall, you actually had to jump outside of the map and glide to, yes. like, where you saw the top of the waterfall, right? Yeah, it was, it was cool. I had, to look that, I, I, that was, I had to look a lot of those up. <laughs> I admit that I had to look it up uh, when I played through it again. But I remembered getting it as a kid. And as a kid, the internet didn't have it. So as a kid, I just found it. Yeah. Because I was like, how did I do this? And I remember getting it as a kid, and I saw that waterfall. I was like, there's no way. As a kid, I wouldn't have gone there. So I didn't do it, and I looked it up. It's like, yeah, you, you jump out of the map to this waterfall. It's like, shit, I should You had to buy guidebooks back in those days. That's you funny. you yeah. read about, like, oh, you had to jump out of the map at the top of the waterfall. Oh, crazy. <laughs> um, how about the Ripto fight? The Ripto fight is the fight... As a kid that I never beat. Is that the only fight in that in the first two games where you're flying? Yeah. It, I, I like that they 
took like the DNA of the first game in general and they just kind of turned it up a notch, tried a lot of new things in two, and I think they hit on a lot of them. And uh, the Ripto fight was unique. Probably not honestly as hard as uh, Gulp though. Really? I thought, yeah, I thought. For some reason I had. I don't know. I always have had more trouble with Ripto. Gulp had the the sequence where he like aimed his can his stuff up and just went when he had to like dodge them all, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was difficult. Was that the harder part, or was there a harder part than that? I'm trying to remember. I think when he's just spamming, I I think that's his final phase. Yeah. But I don't know why. But yeah, when we played when we played as a family, Ripto was. So hard to beat. I don't even think we ever even got to the pterodactyl phase. Flying phase. Which I like, you know, adding the flying. It makes sense. But it's kind of weird and contradictory where you can't fly the entire game. And then you... And then you're just at the end, you're flying. It's like, why why can't I fly? And then in the next game, you can't fly again. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. But whatever. I guess you can fly in the, uh, the flight trial areas anyway, so... Yeah. You can fly in some places, but not where it would really help you. But, I mean, same thing with the first game. I think the Ripto fight, it's a good culmination of the game. I think it was uh, a reasonably di- a reasonably difficult fight for, you know, the game that it is. Um, three phases, three completely different phases... Where you just have Ripto on the platform, you have Ripto in the metal gulp, uh, or on top of the metal gulp uh, machine, and then up in his mechanical pterodactyl. And then when you finally take him out and that pterodactyl, he falls down into the lava and uh, burns up. So, yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about it. I think, you know, it was a good, fun fight. Um, good for, you know, a spiral game. I think good for any game at that time. Like you said, it had multiple phases and mm-hmm. it was pretty varied. Like you just had to flame him one time, but it was hard to catch him when he was in his pterodactyl. True. Yeah, and chase him around. For And honestly, Spyro's flight mechanics aren't bad. Mm-mm. Better like, than surprisingly. Underwater. Yeah. Like, even the original, I'm sure they're they're tuned better in the trilogy, but I don't even remember them being that bad in the original, you know. No. So Jay, did you find like the pterodactyl phase like really easy because you were a pro from running the gauntlet on your uh flying missions? Yeah, it was first try. <laughs> Piece of cake. Um yeah, no, I, I like the boss fight, and I like that he turned into a pterodactyl at the end, and and you gotta fight, fight um, him in that form, uh, and yeah, I mean it, it. We'll get to it, but in three, there's you know more flying fights, and and yeah, culmination, we finally beat Ripto, who was. Being an asshole the whole time. So you feel good about it. Um, robot, robot Gulp is there too. And uh, 
you save everybody and you can finally power up your um, portal. Portal to go back. But before that, you take a nap. It's very important. It's probably what I would do. Yeah. So can we talk about Dragon Shores now? Yeah, we can talk about Dragon Shores. That was my favorite part from all the games. <laughs> you get to go to a theme park. You get to dunk different enemies from the game. You get to unlock uh, the super fireball. And then go back to levels and just destroy everything in one hit. <laughs> uh, it made it really easy because I hadn't collected everything at that point. Once I had the super fireball, it made made it really easy to get everything, which I appreciated. Because it's like you put in the work so you get this extra benefit. And I really enjoy it when games do that kind of thing. Um, Going on the roller coaster, the roller and popping coaster the balloons. So yeah. yeah, that was a blast. Jumping over, I forget what was in the way on the roller coaster. But yeah, it was like the best end game content they could have added, I think. It was just fun. And it works so well because at the very beginning of the game, the reason they're in the situation that they're in is because they decided it's been raining for two weeks. Let's get away. Let's go somewhere sunny. Let's go to Dragon Shores. They go into the portal and they get sucked into this adventure. The adventure, they, they complete it all. They do everything. And what's your reward for beating everything? Your personal reward as the player is you get to go to a theme park on vacation it's not just you're playing a theme park video game it's you just unlocked it by doing by beating this game congratulations theme park time it's like oh yeah now i get to go to the theme park sick it's not like you just put the theme park disc in no you just beat the game and like here you go theme park yeah and it's like so thematic it's so good the mini games are so fun it's just Caught me off guard. I was surprised and just I was like, I can't believe they put this in the game. And <laughs> and I really dug it. I can't believe they put Super Fireball in the game. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, it's it's post game content, yeah. so it doesn't really matter, but it's hilarious. Yep. Do you guys do the Tunnel of Love? Of course. Yeah. I saw that it's possible to get the Yeti as your lover. <laughs> so you did it until you did it. No, I didn't do it until I got him. I just looked it up on YouTube. But that would have been great if just by chance for your first one, you just get the Yeti. <laughs> yeah, and they had a little movie theater. You could watch the cutscenes from throughout the game. Like, all of it was completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But made the game better that they had it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the post-game content in the first one is oh is Nasty Nork's area, like uh, treasure chest or whatever it was called. His loot, Nasty's loot. Yeah, Nasty's loot, and it was fun. 
you're flying around, you're collecting treasure, you're breaking breaking chests and getting more gems. But it's the same thing you've been doing the whole game. Yeah. The second one, Dragon Shores, it's literally just running around doing amusement park games. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so much fun. And you had to you had 100% the game before it let you in. 100% the game uh the game's orbs. You had to get all 40 orbs because the door wouldn't open without it. But once you get in, you're like, I des- I earned this. It made me earn it because I remember as a kid, I was like 38 orbs. I'm like, all right, go find the other two. And then I earned this. You go in and you just have so much fun because the mini games are so much fun. Yeah. Like yeah. Dragon Shores was the shit. Dragon Shores, yeah. If you, have, if, if you haven't played, uh, or if you haven't 100%ed uh, Ripto's Rage, 100% it. Get yourself into Dragon Shores. You deserve it. So number three? Let's go to number three. Spyro Year of the Dragon came out in 2000, which is impressive, honestly. Three games, four years? Three yeah. years. 1998, 1999, 2000. Three games, three years. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Three games, <laughs> ten years. Can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. They were working hard. Yeah. Like, super impressive. So, uh, yeah. The the, as we, the very next year came out with the next Spyro, the final in uh, the trilogy and in the reunited, reignited trilogy. Um, so, premise. Uh, the dragons are celebrating the year of the dragon. An event where new dragon eggs are brought to the dragon realm every 12 years. After the celebration, Rhinox, led by Bianca, steal all the eggs. Hunter and Spyro see the hole the Rhinox invaded through, and as the only small dragon, Spyro follows with Hunter and Sparks. They end up in the Forgotten Realm, a realm once inhabited by dragons, now run by the sorceress and her Rhinox army. Spyro must rescue the eggs and bring them back to the dragon realm. With help from local inhabitants from each area, he is able to locate the dragon eggs and defeat the sorceress. So, it's the year of the dragon. Every 12 years, new dragon eggs are brought to the dragon realm. Apparently, dragons don't uh, reproduce uh, in the way that others do. But 100 dragon eggs are brought to... Uh, the dragon realm and the dragons have a big party and after the party everyone's passed out everyone's on the ground just just out of it just done and the rhinox take that opportunity to burrow up from wherever they came from and steal every last dragon egg on their way out they step on hunter's tail and wake him up and so he sees the last of them sneaking away through uh this bur- this hole that they burrowed from wherever they came from so because dragons are big none of the dragons are able to follow except of course spyro who never grows i would i do think a spyro game where spyro is an adult dragon would be really really cool because I'm an adult now. And Spyro's <laughs> an adult now. That would be sick. They should do that. 
Just remake these games. Just don't, just big, don't mess it up. And you can fly. Yeah. And you can shoot like the super fire breath. The whole time. A fire breath that just goes half the map. Yeah. Anyway, because Spyro small, uh, small, he's able to follow them through this hole. Uh, he sparks follows. Hunter also follows. Um, and he finds that he's in the Forgotten Realm, a realm that dragons were once in. Um, the sorceress is here. She controls the realm. Um, he's got to take out the sorceress and get the eggs back from her. So the major addition that they made in this game is they made quite a few more characters than were in each of the previous two games and also made five of these characters playable. Um, which was a, a you know a big uh, change from the previous games, as uh, in the previous games, one and two only Spyro's playable. Mm-hmm. It comes in pretty cool how they're unlocked. Uh, Moneybags is back, and he is responsible for holding each of these inhabitants of these overworlds that you're going through captive for the sorceress but he's willing to cut you a deal of course for the low low price of x gems he can allow the prisoner to accidentally escape yeah the sorceress paid him to guard them and then he's double dipping because he's letting you pay him to let them go (laughs) right so you're going through the worlds and the worlds are as the other games uh, built the same way you have different overworlds and or actually do you have different overworlds in this one or is it just one large overworld hold on one sec you have different overworlds yep i have it in my notes yeah (laughs) you have different overworlds they each have different portals again where you go in and you're able to uh beat different enemies and now the the point of each overworld or each uh level is to go in and uh find eggs and as you find these eggs uh baby dragons hatch and they all have cute little animations and uh cute little names um so honestly probably of the three uh collectibles that main collectibles in each game probably my favorite of the three um freeing dragons finding orbs or uh freeing or finding dragon eggs and then they hatch in front of you probably my favorite of the three uh thematically um just because they're really cute honestly um but yeah so that's that's your goal when it comes to uh the playable characters like we said the first one in the first world is sheila she's a kangaroo that was one of the first inhabitants to uh, to rebel against the sorceress, and now she's being held in a cage by money bags. So you pay him off to uh, let her go, and now she's a playable character in different uh, in different scenarios through through the worlds, where in each of the levels you can find a door with her face on it and not every level but on some of the levels and 
in those levels you're able to play as her and she has different mechanics and uh than spyro and uh it's interesting in that way so what do you guys think of sheila uh as a playable character it was cool um playing with some different mechanics you know she can super jump mm -hmm. so that changed layout to her levels um where you have to climb a big tower but you have to jump really high to each platform she can kick with her feet which you can knock down walls with or attack enemies with um and i thought it was a cool change of pace at first yeah i agree because it took uh it took a different it gave you a different style of platforming where every world that you uh, encountered throughout Spyro uh, was built with gliding in mind, whereas Sheila's worlds were built with super high walls that uh, sometimes you couldn't even see up there with fixed camera. Maybe with uh, free camera, you could see up there. But, fixed, but with fixed camera, like sometimes you couldn't even see if, if you could get up there or see that there was an opening. And so you're looking for the last egg in the level. You're looking for the last few gems and you super jump somewhere and you're like, oh, there it is. And you jump up there. And honestly, I, I didn't even think of using free camera because I assumed everyone just used fixed camera all the time. But uh, free camera sounds like it probably could have come in handy on some of the Sheila yeah, levels. Free camera is nice to have. Give a Sheila a gun and she's basically ratchet. Ratchet can no. super jump? Yeah, Ratchet can double jump. Super jump, though. Well, he can jump pretty you know, high. Where you, did you have to, yeah, you jump, and then you hit the ground, and you time it, and then you jump, like, eight times as high? It's not the same, but, I mean. Ratchet's basically a kangaroo, right? Yeah, he's called he, uh, a wombat. Wombat. He's a wombat. Yeah. Oh, wombats. Oh. It's a made-up thing. <laughs> I, th I always thought it was a wombat. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's probably really And I always went like, he's the most unconvincing wombat I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But you know why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, out of the playable characters, Sheila was fun at first, but then I got kind of sick of it. Um, once, I think the tower that you referred to was the second one. And... It was kind of, I didn't think the tower was set on because you were oh. doing super jumps all the time, just going up and uh, I forget when I you played, think... sorry, go ahead. For me, the, the not fun level was the mushroom level where. The mushroom level was hard. Well, yeah. And then there's just these rocks that look slightly different that you have to somehow know you can kick through after you super jump up there mm -hmm. to get the last collectibles. And, and yeah, out of the four other playable characters, uh, she became like the most basic. Yeah, but she was the first one you unlocked, so kind of made sense. Although I think she was the coolest of the four, like character-wise. Do you think? What do you think? Not mechanics-wise. I like character-wise. She was Sergeant Bird. Uh, the, Yeti. the Yeti. Yeah. All right, the Yeti's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Although his little brother's cooler. Um. 
Yeah, and then the monkey with the gun is the the last one. Yeah, which I, as a kid, I loved just because he had a gun, basically. (laughs) But playing through it again as an adult, it's like I've had enough games with guns now. Yeah. I think growing up, I wasn't allowed to play a lot of games where guns were involved. So, like, when I was able to play as him with his, you know, ray gun or whatever he has, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But uh, nowadays, like, uh, I played enough with, you know, characters with guns. And also the way that the mechanic worked with Agent Nine's gun, where you're kind of just standing there and you're just moving it, moving the crosshair, but not moving his body. Felt a little weird, but I think that's just because of how video games now are. Yeah. I... It was annoying to me where I was trying to 100% every level the first time through it. Yeah. And then you get to a portal and not have the character unlocked yet to be able to 100% that level. Yeah. So that was annoying to me because I was like, well, fuck. I'll have to come back here once I unlock that guy, remember which one it was, go here and then do this one portion, have to kill all the enemies to get to the same spot and then do that portion again. What do you think about that, Paul? Because you said you liked how you couldn't climb before and then you went climbing in the second one. Uh, three was the only one I didn't 100%. Really? I did not go back to get those gems and collectibles. Gotcha. And I do think there's something to be said. Maybe if we would have played three first, yeah, it, you would have enjoyed it more. As but, a standalone game, probably. Yeah. But... As a back-to-back-to-back marathon, you start to get a little burned out on the third game, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. I think so, for sure. So, um, the boss fight for the first world is Buzz's dungeon. So, when the sorceress hears that you're going through uh, stealing all these dragon eggs back, uh, kicking all her minions' asses, she turns a Rhinoch that is in the room with her into this uh, bunny monster. Monstrosity. That uh, guards the exit to the first overworld. And I thought that the boss fights were cool because they incorporated the, uh, the inhabitant that you unlocked into that boss fight yeah so when you're taking on buzz in buzz's dungeon it's not just you and sparks it's you and sparks plus sheila is a part of that boss fight so what was what was your guys's thoughts on the buzz buzz's dungeon uh boss fight i thought it was fun and i liked how your uh other playable character came to help you at each boss fight um yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely took what they did in two with the boss fights and kept that rolling. Most of the boss fights, boss fights this one included, were pretty fun. Multiple phases. Mm-hmm. And it was neat to see them incorporate uh, Sheila and some of the other companions into these fights. Yeah, so just a little more detail on this fight. Um, you're on, like, another one of these spe- or spheres. Uh, circles 
with lava surrounding and buzz he kind of like charges at you but your charge is stronger mm-hmm. so you're able to push him back and after you push him back a few times you can push him off the platform and then once you push him off the platform into lava he's kind of like struggling there like trying to pull himself out of lava and then sheila comes out and she just stomps on his head and pushes him into the into the lava even deeper and does a lot of damage to him so basically once you do that three times uh, you win that fight um, once you beat that, you're able to go to the second area, which is Midday Gardens. Um, Midday Gardens is the uh, level where you unlock uh, Sergeant Bird. And I don't have it written down. Where do you unlock the Yeti? Is it in this level or is it in the uh, the third world? I think Penguin is next. Penguin is next and then Yeti. And then Monkey is last. Right, monkeys in the fourth world. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So in the second world, again, Moneybags is guarding this penguin. And this penguin's kind of just like a badass penguin. He's got all these bombs strapped to him and rockets. And he's just talking shit to Moneybags the whole time you have him <laughs> locked up. <laughs> and you pay to get him out. And uh, now uh, in this world, a lot of the missions, you, you find uh, doors with... Uh, sergeant bird's face and you're able to uh to control him um and he's a penguin he has a jetpack right which allows him to fly (laughs) so he's a penguin that can fly shoot rockets and shoot rockets uh what'd you guys think of sergeant bird it was fun i liked his levels a lot um and i liked his personality and i thought it was a cool character to add um just to touch on the whole third game as a whole, the cutscenes in this game were inter- really entertaining to me, and I thought really well done and better than the other two games' cutscenes. So I enjoyed it that part of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how they kind of tailored each boss fight to what the uh, new playable character could do, like. Sheila jumps and stomps on. Uh, what's the first boss's name? Buzz. Buzz. And then in this one, doesn't he like drop bombs for you to charge and shoot at? Yeah, exactly. So the the boss fight in this area, it's you and Sergeant Bird taking on Spike. And I forget what Spike's character model was. Can you can you look that up for me real quick? Um, but anyway, Sergeant Bird, he's flying around dropping uh, different. Uh, I think items that you pick up in your mouth and then shoot at uh, the boss. And so it was it was a lot of fun to be able to, you know, it's a new mechanic again. Um, and an exciting mechanic, honestly, where you have your companion, he's dropping you different items and you have to shoot him at the thing. And I also believe the boss, Spike, he could also pick him up, right? Yeah, well, that's kind of how it was with the... Ripto's Rage, too. Kind of similar, right? So you charged into him. You didn't, like, pick him up in your mouth and spit him. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, the gulp fight. Yeah. The gulp fight, there was uh, barrels that you had to uh, ram into and aim them at gulp. And then he could, he could interact with them, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are right. Yeah. So it's similar. 
Um, the third. Wow, I missed one. I missed one in my notes. The third area is where you unlock the Yeti. And the Yeti's cool too. There wasn't there a uh, hockey mini game with the Yeti? Um, I don't think it was with the Yeti. There's a hockey mini game hockey. too. There was a hockey mini game in two, but this one is one where. What am I trying to think of? Are you thinking of the figure skating? Figure skating. Oh game. yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. That's Spike. Okay, so Spike's just like a big strong man kind of thing. With a spike on his head. Oh yeah, that explains the name. <laughs> we can put up a picture probably. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was the one that Sergeant Bird helped you out with. <clears throat> what was the name of Third World? Because somehow I missed it in my notes. Evening Lake Worlds? Evening Lake. Oh man, Evening Lake, that's the one with the whale, right? Yeah. I remember that one as a, I remember that one so well. Um and I thought that was really cool too, where in the overworld there is this big lake underneath the castle in the middle where you dive down and uh you have to get the whale to swallow you. And inside the whale there's an egg. I really liked uh I really liked that egg placement for sure. Because that one was super unique. Evening Lake also had a couple uh, cool uh, long glides to get eggs as well. Yeah. And then isn't the boss fight inside the whale as well? Is it? I think so. Is the boss fight in the whale? No. There's no. just the one orb inside the whale's belly. And you unlock Bentley, the Yeti, at uh, Evening Lake as well. Yeah. So the Yeti's cool because he is this slow walking, no no sprint, just big ass club. And you can walk, you can jump, but all you can do is just swing this club and just mash enemies with it. So, uh, and he has this annoying little brother, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, uh, who's always just talking hmm. which again i think the characters in the final spyro at least the playable characters that they added were were really good i i really enjoyed uh you know just their banter and how much shit they talked because uh they were all all enemies of the sorceress and they all uh just weren't afraid to say it. Um, so what do you guys think of uh, being able to play as Bentley? It was fun. Um, levels were a bit slower paced. Uh, you had to dodge out of the way of uh, boulders rolling down cliffs. Um, and he was one you had to do some backtracking to get some of his levels that were on in an earlier world. And yeah, like with most of these characters, the first time you play as them, it's fun. And then after that, you kind of want to just keep playing as Spyro. At least that's how I felt. 
Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, and I, I think I'm fine with that too. It's, uh, I think the first world with each one is a new change of pace, but by the time you get to the third world, or sometimes the fourth world, with some of these guys, you're like, I, I, I just want to play Spyro again, you know? Do you think that was intentional? Like they introduced these new characters who it's like, oh, it'd be fun to play as someone else besides Spyro for the third game in a row. But really, they're just designed to make you miss Spyro. Could be. I wonder. No, I think they wanted to add more gameplay variety and they succeeded at that. But would it be weird if one of them was like more fun to play as than Spyro? It's, yeah. like, it's almost like they made they made sure that it wasn't the case though you yeah. know because i mean while their kits were different like if i if if bentley could run bentley might have been the funnest character in the game yeah but because you had to walk through every level it was tedious it, it got tedious you know it's like man i just want to i see where i need to go i just want to get there but you're you, you can't because he only walks. Yeah. No, I agree. So uh, the, that boss fight was against Scorch. Um, and as I said, somehow in my notes, I missed this whole world. So uh, Scorch, it's you and Bentley against Scorch. And I missed this in my notes. So if I could get some help, I would appreciate that. Um, he he flies around and he like shoots these uh like flaming bombs at you, and you have to dodge them. And Bentley is like showing like throwing missiles at you, and you can uh, shoot the missiles at Scorch. You can like flame them up. And there's green ones and there's red ones, and the green ones do a lot of damage, but they have low accuracy. And the red ones are more accurate, but they do less damage. So you have to be dodging. Uh, his bombs when he's always flying around and hitting them with missiles all the while and then I think there's crabs in this one too he, I have the thing pulled up he like in a second phase he drops instead of like the flaming bombs he drops these eggs and the crabs hatch out of them and you have to destroy the crabs Yeah. Oh, I do remember what you're saying. And they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the fourth world is Midnight Mountain. <laughs> Killing crabs. Moving on. The <laughs> yeah. uh, Midnight Mountain, uh, you unlock Agent 9, who is a monkey with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a laser gun. Um, and in Agent Nine's world, you see the professor again, mm -hmm. which is interesting because the professor uh, was from the Avalar realm, and uh, what you wouldn't expect to see him in other realms, but apparently uh, it makes sense because he and his his team back in Avalar had the portals that, and they obviously were using them for a reason and. One of those reasons, I guess, was to go to the Forgotten Realm and uh, 
experiment with Agent 9. Agent 9, uh, in his world, you have to kill all these uh, birds, basically. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they call them. That have taken over the professor's lab. Uh, and it was cool. It's kind of uh, kind of like a shooter, but like we said before, it's uh, the mechanic is more stand still and aim, aim yeah. the uh, aim the sight or aim the uh, reticle. Reticle, yeah. Yeah, it's a shooter in the sense that Duck Hunt is a shooter. Yeah, basically. And when I was a kid, I loved Duck Hunt too. So, so it was pretty good. Yeah. But uh, you go through uh, Midnight Mountain. What's your favorite part of Midnight Mountain? There's only one right answer. That's a lot of pressure. It's only one right answer. Uh, I, I don't know. I defer. Oh, you did? Dino Mines. I fucking love Dino Mines. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the right answer. Oh. The best part of Midnight Mountain is this is the culmination of Moneybags. Where oh, yeah. he's taken so much money from you throughout the second game and now this game that you get tired of it and he's trying to like extort more money out of you and you just you've just had enough and you get to chase him around with your charge and take all the money back. Every time you hit him, uh he drops gems. And this is in the overworld. Uh, after you've completed each of the uh, levels. But uh, you get to keep hitting them. And I love how many times you get to hit them. <laughs> like, it's not like five times. It's like 30 times. It's like you just keep going around this circle, getting them to drop gems. It's a ridiculous amount of times. And it's just awesome. Because you're taking all that money back and you just feel it. It's like, give me that back. Because you're just <laughs> taking money from me for no reason for two straight games. And now I get it back. So I, I love that part. I love that they added that to these games where you just get to stick it back to money bags. I, I like Dino Mines because it's a Western mm -hmm. with dinosaurs. And you get to play as Agent 9. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like an arcade shooter. Yeah. Where it goes from screen to screen and you have to shoot all the all the dinosaurs uh, before they shoot you and it it was just a lot of fun uh, and uh, I hadn't seen another uh, piece of media that mashed up dinosaurs and westerns that way <laughs> so pretty original pretty creative and badass did you get the skill point for hitting the one dinosaur that, like, per that just flashed but doesn't shoot at you? It just runs across the screen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that they added that, too, where it's just, like, you have dinosaurs that don't even shoot at you. They just run across, and if you hit it, you get a skill point. There are some really hard gems to get on this level, too, where you had to jump off the map, and if you messed, your, messed up your jump, you would lose a life. Mm-hmm. And because you're Agent 9, the jumps are very precise as well. It's like uh, with Spyro, your jumps are more forgiving because you can glide. Unless it, unless it needs to be a very precise jump, which there are some. But with Agent 9 or 
even any of the other ones, any of the other playable characters that uh, can't glide or fly. Uh, if you need to make a precise jump, like uh, you have to. And I love how they incorporated that where you have to go off map for some of the stuff if you want 100% the game. Mm-hmm. And just to talk about the game as a whole again, a lot of the different mini games with Hunter was really fun. Having to find Hunter on the flying missions. Yeah, I was going to bring that up for sure. was cool. It was like a Where's Waldo. It's hidden, and it's not even something that you would ever know existed. It's something you have to find. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I found it in like the third flying mission. Found Hunter just chilling in some random place. And it's like, does this exist on every one of these flying maps in this game? And it does. Yeah. So you just get, you go back to the ones that you've already even beat. And yeah. you're like, where is it? Because his missions are so much fun too yep. in those flying ones. Yep. I think the flying missions in this game were the most fun out of the three games. Mm-hmm. And they probably weren't the hardest, but they were. They felt the most fair and well balanced. Were you guys able to find Hunter through the waterfall? Yeah. Did you find it on your own? I had to look it up. I had to look it up. I found him. Nice. But it took me like two hours to find out that level. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Checking everywhere. Because <laughs> he's he's like. Once you find him, he's not invisible. Like, you do see him through the waterfall, but he's not easy to see. Yeah. And it's such a good hiding spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think eventually I ran out of places to look, and it's something that is often done in video games as they hide things behind waterfalls. <laughs> Very frequently in video games. So that's how I found him, but it did take me a while. How did you go two hours in a flying map and not look it up? Well, because I was already done with the game. It was like one of the last things to get. And so I was just like, Hunter's in here somewhere. I'm flying around till I find him. And then uh, in the that's the last overworld. Once you have all of the objectives from the game, you're able to go into the sorceress's lair, which is pretty cool. It's up these big steps, and then you walk forward, and then you drop down into, uh, drop down like far into her lair, and there you're able to fight the sorceress with Agent Nine's help. Um, I think the sorceress fight, uh, you're running around. And Agent Nine is popping balloons, dropping weapons for you. And they're these like uh, hoverboards that you can go on that have powers that allow you to attack the sorceress. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of that fight, Paul? Uh, there, there's so much going on with this fight. I thought um, she's shooting those shockwaves at you, and they're easy to dodge, but they're like a constant uh, presence. And doesn't he drop a cannon for you? before you get the flying saucers yeah there's just it felt like a really long fight like probably the longest fight of the trilogy i think for me 
Because you have to hit her, I think I hit her five times mm-hmm. before she went down and just lasted a long time. Yeah, again, when it transitions into the flying part of the boss fight, that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. Having enjoyed the flying parts of the game, but uh, I enjoyed the boss fight. Again, felt like a culmination. It was a boss that you grew to hate throughout the game and you finally get to face off against her and save the day again. Let's talk about Bianca because we haven't touched on Bianca yet where she was the one who led the Rhinoch army at the beginning, uh, the beginning cutscene where all the eggs are stolen. Mm-hmm. She led that army uh and took all those eggs. And uh, she ends up being not a character that you fight, but she's a character in many of the cutscenes of the game. And uh, ends up almost, ends up being an ally toward the end. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on, on, on Bianca? She ends up being a love interest, right? That's true. This game had love. <laughs> yeah, this game had love. Can't beat love. They watch the fireworks yeah. at the the one world that you went to. But yeah, she was an interesting character. It was cool that for the first time in a in a Spyro game, there was a character with a redemption arc where she was bad at first, and then you know, through talking with Spyro and Hunter, she comes around. Mm-hmm and joins your side and also just she gets fed up with the sorceress do you guys remember yeah. exactly why she because, switched sides because she found out the sorceress was gonna kill the baby dragons because she needed their wings yeah it's fucked up <laughs> it was kind of fucked up you you learned that and you're like oh shit i need to kill the sorceress now and then yeah. kind of bianca felt the same way yeah it's like oh that's not cool yeah. it's like she assumed that she just wanted to raise a dragon army because the sorceress is a dragon Mm-hmm. she is a dragon with magical power she's the only dragon in this forgotten realm so bianca assumed that she wanted to steal all these dragons to like create a dragon army or something but no it turned out she's just gonna kill them all strip them of their wings and create a a mortality potion with these dragon wings yeah so bianca's like yeah i, I can't be behind that yeah and then she lets she frees hunter and becomes a good guy Mm-hmm. And Hunter falls in love. Yeah, you get a little bit of character growth in Spiral Three. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the three games, and uh, we didn't talk about one playable character in Sparks. Yeah, my bad. Sparks becomes an actual character instead of just a health bar in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought Sparks' levels were cool because it turns, like, it gives you, like, a 2D. It's a top-down twin-stick shooter. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never known the name of that. There you go. That's why. So Sparks' levels are a top-down twin-stick shooter, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) And so uh, Zoe, who is the fairy who's been around since, like, the second game, she 
uh, tells Sparks, hey, there's this little crevice that obviously no one can go through, but there's an egg in there. So Sparks has like three or four levels, I think four levels, where uh, he has to go in and he fights crawdads. Yeah, the first one's crawdads. Okay, so it changes every time. But uh, he's like always fighting like and... bugs. Yeah. And he's able to shoot like, I don't know, what's he shooting? He's a dragonfly. But he's able to shoot ahead of himself and get different up. power-ups. And... Yeah, power-ups to different like guns, basically. <laughs> yeah. And you're able to play this like completely different game within Spyro for a few levels where... Uh, where you're going through and you gotta get to the end and at the very end uh you get a dragon egg and you're able to leave the crevice and come back uh to spyro which i thought was very cool i thought it was a good like it turned sparks from a sidekick to like he has his own areas where he is the hero which i mean everyone loves sparks i know i love sparks and uh giving him that kind of recognition where he has his own levels where he is the the he is the main character i thought it was a very cool a cool thing and i also thought that his levels i mean I, you guys might not agree but i thought his levels didn't get old because they were like a completely different game within the game yeah i enjoyed playing as sparks yeah i agree with that i don't think they got old you guys ain't got any, uh, oh, want to talk about skateboarding? Yeah, I was just going to say in general, it seems like they really tried some like uh, big things like the skateboarding levels, uh, the twin stick shooter levels like we were just talking about, the new like playing as different characters, like they really had some new ideas that some of them like the skateboarding one was just kind of like way out of left field, but they just thought, hey, people like that Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. Let's put Spyro on a skateboard. And they just went for it. So it's kind of goofy, but interesting, I guess. And fun. Yeah, the skateboard levels were pretty cool. Like you, you have different areas. And I love the part where Hunter has an egg and he won't give it to you unless you beat his high score. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was fun change of pace the skateboarding levels uh aside from a couple times it getting frustrating to because some of them are pretty tough and if you don't do it then you have to restart the whole thing and, and there's specific jumps you have to hit to get all the uh gems on that skateboarding level but Overall, I think it was a net positive to the game to include the skateboarding levels. And it was like, yeah, they made two Spyro games and the third one, they just were like, any idea you got, let's throw it in there. Yeah, yeah, for real. So do you guys got any more, uh, any more points on? Uh, well, we didn't talk about the post game. I didn't play it. Um, I did not get the eggs necessary you go to like the the next world and there's all these different doorways that you can only go through if you have so much gems and then there's different do you know what i'm talking about 
I'm trying to remember. It's like a snowy level. You can fly around, shoot stuff out of the sky. They'll give you more gems. And then you need like 18,000 to go through this door and then there'll be a level in there. Yes, I do remember, yeah. And that's how you get the 120 whatever yeah. percent by doing all those. It it was fine to me. It felt like more Spyro when I was ready to be done. Yeah. It wasn't the same vibe as uh, Dragon Shores, you know, from the previous game or just the treasure hoard from the game before that it just felt like there's Another some bonus yeah. levels that didn't make it into the full game here you go and yeah i just kind of after all we've been through i was hoping for a little better payoff than just more of the the same yeah yeah that's fair it, it did feel like i mean it, i didn't play it but it does sound like a step back from Dragon Shores. Dragon, I don't know how you beat Dragon Shores from the the reference from the very first scene to actually earning getting there. I don't like because a lot of games I feel like reference something and then it nev you never get to experience it. Yeah. Whereas this was a game where it said let's go to Dragon Shores and then oh you don't get to go to Dragon Shores you're instead doing this. But you beat the whole game, and then guess what you earned? Dragon Shores. Felt so good. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, it was compared, and I'm sure for you guys especially, where you you just back-to-back-to-backed three Spyro games. Yeah. You get to that, uh, that endgame content, and it... It isn't carnival games. It's you know more levels. It's mm-hmm. like probably uh, probably not the payoff that you were looking for. So the other thing I want to say is I got all the achievements for all three games, three thousand out of three thousand for Spyro Reignited trilogy, um, and I thought the achievements were pretty good. They were fair for the most part. The hardest one for me to get was, it, you know, on the snow level where all the bugs drop down in the in the cave and you have to fly through and shoot them out as they're like swinging on webs. Yeah. And yeah. You have to do all, hit them all on one run. And that took That's me like really tough. an hour and a half to do that. And that was my last achievement for <laughs> everything. And finally I got it and I was like, we're done with Spyro. <laughs> Never playing this again. <laughs> yep. And that's a good feeling, though, to just 100% everything. 100%, 100% a whole trilogy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. So with us uh, getting through the the uh, all three games, what's your guys' opinion on the three games as a whole and the three games from like best to worst. Uh, I'm going to start off by ranking them. So coming in at number three would be Year of the Dragon, number three. Really? Yeah, it was my least favorite. Probably it did factor in like it was the last one I played and I probably was a little burned out on the spiral formula. The platforming from game to game uh, it doesn't change too much, mm-hmm. 
So like you're still just jumping and gliding and charging and flaming. So I think maybe like that colored my perspective a little bit, but um, I don't know. Number two, the first game, it's like just such a pure platformer. It doesn't have like a lot of the bells and whistles that the following games have, but uh, I think the simplicity of it is what makes it so great. Um, and then Ripto's Rage, number one by far. I think they did about everything they could have done with Spyro. Like they made everything that Spyro, the first game, did well, better. Boss fights were better, platforming was tighter. Uh, the levels I liked better. They all had their own kind of like subplot going on. They brought in a bunch of mini games that we talked about. I mean, Ripto's Rage just knocked it out of the park. Absolute joy to play. Um, in my feelings on the series overall, um, fantastic 3D platformer. Uh, we we kind of we talk about the story a lot, but like the story for these games isn't really what matters. Like it's three D platformer, like it's right. gonna, it's going to be about collectibles, and I just love how they do the collectibles and Spyro just jumps everywhere, and you think like oh it's so easy they're everywhere, but then you get down to like the last few and it's like well where the fuck are these? Yeah, I've been everywhere. Where are they? And then it's just a hunt through the level, and you get to know the level so well. Like I don't think there's. Maybe there isn't. I'm just, I just never used it. I don't remember ever using like a map system for the level, mm -hmm. but I just be like mapping out where stuff was in my like in my brain as I'm going through these levels and like okay, I already went here and you go like over to this area to see if I missed a gem there and it was just a lot of fun hunting down those last few gems. Yeah, and I loved the level size because level size was never too big. You could in one run through uh, remember where you've been especially because a lot of uh, a lot of the game or a lot of the levels most of the levels didn't make it so uh, they weren't like a maze ever it was more uh, you know unique areas everywhere you went and you knew where you've been where you haven't checked uh, that kind of thing and even when like uh, Cliff, Cliff Town, like we mm -hmm. talked about, you check everywhere, and Cliff Town is a, a level where you can literally see the entire level from the top. Yeah. From you get to the end and you, you're at the top of that cliff, and you can see the entirety of the the level because it's not that big, right? And you're like, I've checked everywhere. The only place I haven't checked is jumping off the map over here. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So are we scoring now? Do you have a score to that? Oh. Um, yes, I do have a score. I would give the Reignited Trilogy a 9 out of 10. Okay. So for me, um, 2 was number 1. 2 was the one I played the most as a kid. I had the most nostalgia for. And I thought it held up the best in these remastered versions as well. Uh, Second place would be number one. Again, nostalgia factors and maybe just playing it first. And then last place is number three. I think it threw a lot of 
ideas in some work better than others and some took away from it yeah the pure 3d platformer that we loved as as spyro as kids so my thoughts on the trilogy as a whole um at a good time um it's hard to separate nostalgia from it because it's impossible yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's gonna be tinted it's gonna be biased um they did include flossing in the game and um, that knocks it down that's rough yeah yeah i understand um, and overall you know I had, I had a good time, um, but the whole time I wasn't like super engaged as I might have been on a, on a different game. So for me, it's a, it's an 8 out of 10. And for me, uh, I said, really, when you said uh, Year of the Dragon was your number three, but I 100% agree. I was, <laughs> 100% agree. Number three, uh, Year of the Dragon, is is my number three out of the three. But I don't have... Uh, I, I have such good memories of it still. Like, the skateboard levels. I just remember me and my brother, we would sit in those skateboard levels and we'd play it like it was a skateboarding game. Just a completely different game where we would, you know get the eggs, we get all the gems, and we just sit in there and just verse each other for high score, you know? Like, oh, I won this round. All right, let's go again. And it's like, oh, I scored 100 points more than you this time. And just hours, you know? Yeah. And, like, I I still agree that of the three, it uh, is my least favorite. But, man, is it still one of my favorite games of all time because I, I like you said, I, I can't disassociate the nostalgia i cannot do it because i mean i don't know if you guys feel the same way but video games when i was a kid were so much more fun than video games now like when i was a kid and everything was brand new and everything was the first time you did it the first time you beat this game the first time you played a skateboarding game the first time you played a game as a drag like it just i don't know it hit different yeah so these were some of the first games i ever played and i just can't not love them number two is spiral the dragon uh nostalgia is the hardest for with with spiral the dragon plus playing it again as an adult i think of the three it was the most difficult um because it had a couple levels that actually challenged you um which I, I enjoyed even now, uh, just from a gameplay uh, perspective. And then number one is Ripto's Rage. Ripto's Rage, I don't know how you beat it. It's, it's uh, from building Ripto as a character that you just want to crush and uh, just to the, to the level design and whatnot. Uh, I, I just, I can't, uh, I can't put Ripto's Rage anywhere but number one. Spiral the Dragon, uh, due to nostalgia factor, is a 10 out of 10. Um, that's why I picked it. That's why I love it. It will never be anything but a 10 out of 10 to me. 
it could we could go 40 years in the future and this could be by 40 years in the future standard a trash game and it'll still be a 10 out of 10 to me because this game is my childhood and i rate games based on how much fun i have with them and i had a lot of fun so that's your score for the whole trilogy then absolutely Alrighty. So I believe person to pick the next game is Paul. It's me. What's it going to be? We're going to play through Gears 5 co-op. Ooh. <laughs> so we're going to play through it together. Jay and I are big Gears of War fans. We've played all the games. John? I have not played a single Gears of War game. Yeah, that's going to change. I hear 5 is a good place to jump in, though. <laughs> yeah, 5 is a good place to jump in. <laughs> they have a little cutscene you can watch before we start playing that catches you up oh. in about a minute. A minute to, so, to summarize 4 games. Well, there's a, there's a hard reset on 4. Yeah. We'll get into it. All right. Sounds good. And then we're going to have... A new member joining us. Oh yeah, starting next episode, we're yeah. going to be adding a fourth, so our desk will be a little more crowded. A little cozier. Yep, he's... Uh, we haven't figured out if he's going to play Gears 5 or happy. Do we rename the podcast Giants of Backlog plus one guy? <laughs> <laughs> to be determined. Yep, so if you see an extra person next podcast, don't be alarmed and... Uh, yeah. And it'll be a mainstay going forward. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, if you're on YouTube, if you're on a podcast site, uh, hit the like button or whatever whatever the podcast <laughs> has. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Yeah. And if you're listening and you have friends who enjoy video games and they have backlogs and you think they'd enjoy the podcast, please share with them. We'd really appreciate that. And we definitely encourage, uh, if you guys have your backlogs, if any of these games that we are saying in two weeks we're going to play, if you have, if it's on your backlog, play it and come come listen to our podcast in two weeks. Um, you guys can use this the same way we use it, where we're using this to force ourselves to play through our backlogs, through games that we put a few hours into uh, bought, put a few hours into, and set on the back burner. And I know a lot of people have that. And if you have that and uh, you want to get through some of those games and you want to have uh, a, a group of guys to encourage you to do that, uh, go ahead and play along with us because um, we're excited to do this. We're excited to, uh, to get through our backlogs, and we hope you are too. Yeah, and we've been talking. We've got ideas. Maybe in the future, once we grow a community, we can have, have uh, you guys email in. We can talk about your questions or comments on the games uh, yeah. on the podcast. And then even in the future, we might have community-picked games for us all to play together. So we appreciate you listening. If you got this far into the episode, we really appreciate it. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... um and we we're happy to uh try to build this community of you know people who enjoy games and 
want to play through their backlogs and hold each other accountable. We're the Giants of Backlog. See you next time. See you next time. What are you doing, my water?